Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passion and intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with juicy resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. We all know that we live in a patriarchy, but do you actually know how that affects you on a personal level? Well, it turns out that living in a patriarchy is seriously traumatic. In fact, there's an actual condition called patriarchy stress disorder that most of us don't even realize we've been living with our entire lives. But you're in luck, because in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I interviewed Dr. Valerie Rain, the woman who discovered and named this condition. During the interview, she teaches all about what patriarchy stress disorder is, how it affects us, and what we can do to overcome all the ways it holds us back. Dr. Valerie Rain, the founder of Her Genius Inc., is on a mission to advance women's healing and liberation so they may know their true beauty and true power. She is a psychologist and an author of the forthcoming book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Missing Link to Liberation for High-Achieving Women. She holds an EDM in psychological counseling from Columbia University and a PhD from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. Dr. Valerie Rain is a sought-after speaker at conferences and companies committed to unlocking women's full potential and supporting their success and well-being. But more importantly, she happens to be one of my closest friends in the world. You can learn more about her at drvalerie.com. But before you do, please enjoy my interview with Dr. Valerie Rain. Hi, Valerie. Thank you so much for being on the call with me. Hi, Jordi. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I should say thank you for letting me record it because uh, we always talk, <laughs> but this time it's going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I would say all my listeners have in common is that we're all searching for more in our lives in every way whether it's that we want a relationship or more success in business or more happiness in our daily lives or whatever it is that we want we want more in life but you and i talk about this a lot there are times that we go after things but in some ways we're blocked and we don't realize why and one of the things you talk about is how trauma that we don't even realize we have could be the thing that's getting in our way and so mm -hmm. I really would love for the opportunity for you to talk about that to my listeners here and tell everyone what it is that you know, because it's really important. And not everyone is as lucky as me to call you one of their best friends and get to <laughs> have you pull, pull them out of holes anytime this, that these sorts of things happen. So 
Ah, Jordi, you're the best. And yeah, thank you so much for being one of my best friends and for this wonderful opportunity to have our chat recorded and uh, shared with others who might find it useful. Uh, I wish I had this information when I was struggling. I was struggling with anxiety. I was struggling with depression. I was studying psychology. I was going to therapy. And none of it was making a, a difference in how I was feeling. I was very aware of the cognitive connections um, leading to why I might be feeling like crap. But I was still feeling like crap. And um, the, the only available route was the medication route to kind of um, get out of feeling like crap. And... Uh, I was lucky. I was really lucky at the time because I stumbled into yoga and that was my first introduction into how the mind and the body actually work together. And I noticed that um, yoga started making a, a huge difference in how I was feeling in my body and that and in my mind as well. And that got me on this um, slippery slope of taking a workshop after a workshop of exploring how the mind and the body work together. And that led me to learning about how trauma uh, gets stored in the body. There is all this talk about the subconscious mind, but what is the subconscious mind? And understanding that the body actually is the subconscious mind because everything, every experience we've ever had that left a mark, an invisible mark, invisible emotional scars, they're all in there. The body does not forget. The body doesn't lie. And so I've been exploring through these different workshops how to um, liberate, liberate my uh, happiness, really feeling good and going for what I wanted in life from that invisible inner prison that the trauma creates. Um, and um, the reason that I said I wish I had this information back then is that, first of all, I never thought that I had trauma. I just didn't think I had trauma. And I was studying psychology. I have two graduate degrees, one from Columbia, uh, my master's and then my PhD. And the traditional definition of trauma is a life-threatening event. And I didn't think that I ever experienced a life-threatening event. I wasn't kidnapped. I was not, you know, physically, you know, in, in danger. That made me fearful for my life. So when I got on this journey and I started unpacking something that I didn't know I had, the stored trauma in my body, I started to understand, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, all these events that left scars, you know, this expression, a death by a thousand paper cuts, all these paper cuts, the experiences of being neglected, the experiences of, be, of being dismissed, um, rejected, ridiculed, um, just all these little experiences, they were stored in there and they're traumatic. And so in my work, working with my clients and seeing great results from this mind-body-spirit approach to releasing the trauma, I've uh, actually broadened the definition of trauma. And I define trauma as 
any event or circumstance that made you feel unsafe in the fullest authentic expression and then led to creating some trauma adaptations that we we can talk about what what the heck that is later any event or circumstance that made you feel unsafe unsafe in your fullest authentic expression mhm that's like all day long huh <laughs> yeah yeah tell me more all day long y- you know so uh, that slippery slope <laughs> kept on leading me to uncovering more of these experiences and well all day long right there was also something that i was intrigued by in in working with women i worked mostly with women in my practice and you know uh, women are so over pathologized in traditional mental health care if you read the diagnostic materials uh, the the diagnostic manual of um <laughs> disorders they really um pathologize over pathologize women um as far as having anxiety and depression and uh, PMS and PMDD and uh, all, all, all sorts of stuff not going to uh, go down that um rabbit hole it runs deep um the diagnostic manual was developed <laughs> by white men and uh pretty much pathologizes everybody who is not uh white straight men at that um and i was seeing that all these women also you know we all have our life experiences we all have those paper cuts but there was also something that we have in common some kind of trauma that we have in common that's beyond that and um all the this uh, research has been coming out lately about intergenerational transmission of trauma you might have seen some you know there've been holocaust studies of um um uh, children grand grandchildren of holocaust survivors but my favorite one is actually the cherry blossoms study that I'll 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 share in a moment studies that point to the fact that trauma is actually transmitted between generations our experiences are transmitted between generations and reflecting on the fact that women have been oppressed for generations uh, living in the patriarchal society for thousands of years women have been oppressed and oppression is traumatic and add to that if we're talking about a woman of color about gender non-conforming uh individuals about um so we we're talking about any identity that is not conforming the patriarchal norm right and the oppression that results from that and and all this trauma so it led me to discover this type of trauma that has been hiding in plain sight which is the trauma of oppression for women and i i call it patriarchy stress disorder patriarchy stress disorder or psd for short patriarchy stress disorder 
And I think it's really important, though, to dive into what you talked about, intergenerational transmission of trauma, because what, what I've understood from you and from other things that I've heard is that trauma could actually be passed down and it, it could form into our DNA. Is that right? Is that what it is? Or is it, yeah. is it passed from talking about it? Because I know my grandparents, I also come from Holocaust survivors. Is it because... My fa- you know, my father also, there was this fear, you know, you could be taken away at any time, you were never safe, that kind of, because that had happened to his parents. Is it because we, is it a, a verbal thing or is it, it literally is in our DNA and he was just born that way and then the anxiety that I feel, even though I've never experienced any unsafe, I live in the United States where I'm quite safe. Um, yeah. Is it in my DNA that makes me more anxious or what's that about with trauma? Yeah, so it's such a great question, Jordi. So to take the verbal hypothesis out of it, I'm going to share an experiment they've done with mice. Um, It didn't have any storytelling involved that we know of. They taught a generation of mice to fear the scent of cherry blossoms. Animal cruelty, yeah, that's uh, that's sad. They they, they shocked them um, um, with electricity. No, um, that's so the ugly part of, of it. There's a group of mice, and they and every time they smelled a cherry blossom, they would shock the mice. Yeah, yeah, and then they had offspring, and their babies were scared. They would panic at the scent of cherry blossoms. And they, they never experienced uh, shock that had been paired with the scent for their parents. And then that generation had offspring and and that third generation also feared the, the scent of cherry blossoms. So that's a very, very cool study that shows, well, minus the A animal cruelty involved minus the shocking and being horrible to animals you have a group of mice that are shocked into being afraid of cherry blossoms and then they give birth to offspring and those offspring are shown cherry blossoms and then they exhibit fear even though they never were shocked and then their children Mm -hmm. also exhibit fear just by being near the cherry blossoms Yes. With the, with the so theory that, being that literally it's passed through the DNA. Something about the yes. trauma that first generation of mice experienced by being around the cherry blossoms affected them so deeply that they gave birth to mice that were also terrified. Yes. DN, our DNA passes down the stories that help us survive. Yeah, that's uh, survival is our number, number one biological priority and when people or mice experience something that threatens their survival potentially then this information is passed down and we don't know like this this science has not caught up with the full like we don't have definitive oh we know how many generations this travels for but we know that there is there is this intergenerational intergenerational transmission that's happening, and that's uh, I I love the elegance of cherry blossoms as a metaphor for showing the link of how we as women women who we, we now live in the world where we have a lot more opportunity 
than our mothers, uh, grandmothers, great grandmothers had. Having more, having more um, money, having more amazing relationships, uh, having more impact in the world, having more power. Right, because our grandmothers, mm -hmm. for example, couldn't go out and work the kinds of jobs that we have the opportunities to work, or they maybe mm -hmm. weren't. We back back in our great grandparents' generation. Maybe there was a different notion of relationship and love and what partners should be for each other. So in women some ways, only married for women married for survival. Women didn't have another chance to survive in the society because women can, couldn't work. And if we um, roll, roll back the tape um, uh, a generation or two back, women were property. <laughs> we, we couldn't we couldn't make decisions. Women couldn't make decisions. And if we roll the tape a little bit forward to our mother's generations, during our mother's generation, for most of our, well, for, for you and I, <laughs> um, uh, more or less, uh, that's when it became legal for a woman to own her own money without a male co-signer on her account, to borrow money, to start a business and borrow her money. That was in the... Um, mid to late 70s, uh, um, early 80s, when that became possible. So there's been a trajectory of, you know, really disempower disempowering experiences for women from not having ownership of our own bodies, which, again, is up for uh, our ownership of our own bodies are, again, a topic, a topic of hot debate in the mostly predominantly male circles in Washington and other places right now. Yeah, totally. It doesn't go without saying, right? Because it's not, it's not just a given all over the world that women, you know, and in other countries, there's still female genital mutilation and all kinds of stuff. So the idea oh that we own goodness. our own bodies is, is not a given, even in this day and age. Yeah, and thank you for bringing this uh, into the conversation. So uh, what I've been showing is the timeline of intergenerational trauma, and disempowerment um, across that timeline that we have an inherited that those stories of not having access to things, of it being unsafe for us to smell cherry blossoms, because power for a woman, a woman's power has always been and still remains a punishable offense. So just letting that sink in for a moment and that would perhaps explain why when you're going for more, you want something more, you want a better relationship, you want be, to be happier and lighter. There's always been this prohibition on pleasure and happiness and even being in touch with her desires for a woman and the prohibition on having money and being in power and all that and that being a punishable offense. So there is that. Power, money, sex, all of it, right? Power, money, sex. Yeah, any aspect of really being a full, fully empowered whole human being with all of our rights uh, honored and us having access to everything fully and, and elsewhere in the world. So we don't exist in isolation. And even though like we, we live in a very privileged situation in the, in the West and the U.S., where women's rights, uh, we have a lot more rights than uh, women in 
Saudi Arabia and other places. And yet, or maybe just the end, we are aware as human beings who are interconnected with other human beings on the planet that the overall state of affairs of being a woman on planet Earth sucks. That women are still disempowered, women are controlled, the decisions are made for women. Like it was last year when in Saudi Arabia, uh, women were allowed to drive, right? And they were only given the right to vote in 2012. And, and we can say, oh, it's not our stories here in the U.S. We're very empowered. Yes. And um, people may take a diff different perspectives on that. And that's great. That's the beauty of the dialogue. My perspective is that we live in an interconnected universe and we as human beings are also plugged into this greater intelligence of interconnectedness on the planet. And through this grapevine, we do get the trauma of women elsewhere on the planet. We are plugged into this overall state of affairs. So that all affects how, how we are. A hundred percent. And, you know, there's, I would think, unless you decide that you're never going to travel, then there's really no way not to be plugged into it. Because as a woman, you want to go on vacation to any other nation. You have to wonder, am I safe there as a woman? Um, but especially for anyone listening to this podcast, any queer women or queer humans at all, uh, there are places in the world where being homosexual is still punishable by death. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's, it's terrifying. So if there's anyone who understands, I think it's probably the queer women in this community. Just, you know, even if even if in, in the United States, we still in some places, you know, we still have the right to marry. In some places, they could still discriminate against us in housing or, or employment or in any other way, discrimination against gay people still allowed, um, even if we have the right to marry. But you go outside of this outside of this country, and all bets are off. And um, yeah, and that's traumatic. Yeah. And for women, it's the same thing because women can still be stoned to death just for having an affair or whatever, yeah. even if we're not gay. So. Yeah, it's 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 frightening. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. And even if we don't go to those places where we'll be physically endangered, every time we read a piece on the news um, that tells us a story, stories are very powerful. I mentioned before that our DNA tells a story, yeah, a story of survival. Uh, we all learn through stories. And so we get stories through the media about women getting jailed or, or, or killed, uh, raped, and oh, all these horrible things happening to women for, for just being who they are. And those parts, those, those parts that are very aware of that ancestral and collective trauma and perhaps personal experiences as well of feeling unsafe, they all get triggered. They get triggered. And when I get triggered, it doesn't necessarily mean that we just like go into full-blown, uncontrollable trauma response. But what triggered means is that our defense mechanisms activate. In some way, subconsciously, our defense mechanisms activate. And so perhaps we may be more prone to dim our light just a little bit, uh, dial down our sexual expression just just a little bit um maybe be less vocal just a little bit and and the those trigger points triggers 
lead us to experience one of the three most common reactions of trauma is fight, flight, and freeze. So one of the big, um, well, what goes with uh, the discovery of PSD, patriarchy stress disorder, as a trauma that that connects us all is that our nervous systems have been so conditioned to be on high alert because it's never been safe to be a woman, um, let alone a homosexual woman, a bisexual woman, a queer woman, a transgender woman, etc. It's never been safe. And we don't think consciously, oh, I'm not safe. But our bodies, they, they, they don't lie. And so our nervous system has always has been conditioned to be on high alert, to be in that state of hypervigilance. No, I think, I think everything you're saying makes sense. Um, it, you know, when you point out how not only in the, all over the world are women still unsafe, but, but there's so many reasons why women do have it harder in our society than men. And in just such a short time frame ago, so, so, so close in our, in our past, back to our mothers and our grandmothers and our great grandmothers that if they didn't, that they had so many still fewer privileges than us and that would have been passed down. And so there's all this trauma, just like the cherry blossoms that we don't even realize we're experiencing because we're told that trauma has to do with a life threatening event where we fear for our lives. Mm -hmm. But, but since we're not fearing for our lives, we don't even, we don't even know to look for that. So we can be affected yeah. by these things that we don't even know are triggering us. And so then you talk about yeah. our nervous systems being in high alert, but if we're not aware of it, then it's happening without necessarily our awareness. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then it manifests everywhere, everywhere, Jordi. And the fight, flight, and freeze reactions, I just see them everywhere. Um, and I've been seeing them in myself and and I still do. It's not like, Oh, I'm above that. Uh, and I'm doing work on healing those because it, it's, it's a process. It's uh, healing one layer after another, after another, it's like a layered cake of trauma and it gets so much better with each layer uh, healed and integrated. We release so much more freedom, power, just make things possible. Um, but this may be familiar to <laughs> our listeners, just um, getting into, let's say, get, getting, getting triggered and what it means to get triggered, just feeling unsafe. Yeah, something subconsciously feels unsafe in a situation. Again, subconsciously, subconsciously. And you may be having an argument with your partner and somehow something that she does or says makes you feel unsafe. And it can be so subtle as just looking the other way and giving you the message that she's not listening. And that triggers an experience of having been rejected or neglected in the past, something so subtle as that. And then the trigger leads to anger, right? We go into fight response, anger, and that creates an argument and a further disconnect or it may go into a flight response. Oh, I just can't deal with that. Bye, right? Just flight, just go. And that leads to further disconnect. Or oh, the freeze response would be exactly what it what it sounds like. Just go in 
it's the inward flight. It's uh, withdrawing. It's go going in and shutting down again, uh, further disconnect. And it's so painful. And it happens in relationships. It happens at work, how we get de-energized, demotivated through those little and not so little triggers that are just everywhere that remind us that it's unsafe to be a woman in subtle, in subtle ways. Again, not consciously. We don't probably walk around thinking, oh, I'm feeling unsafe. But you know by how you get triggered. And it can be so subtle as at a meeting, there is something in the way somebody looks at you, right? And that's triggering. That reminds you of, oh, I'm just a girl. And what do I know? And you suddenly lose your words in a presentation. You suddenly start sweating and... Mm, your mind starts racing. What you're saying is so interesting. The idea being that we get more triggered than our typical male counterpart would. And in some ways, we're feeling like maybe blaming ourselves as if in some way we're weak. Ah, but not that's realizing. That's a great point. But not re well, it's your point, right? That's what you're kind of saying is that mm -hmm. this is that yeah. it's that we don't even know that it's happening and it's happening because of trauma from being born in a woman as a woman in a, in a world where it's not safe to be a woman and we don't know that yeah. so we're getting triggered and we just think oh in some ways we're weaker or or it's our fault because yeah. what you're talking about is this argument with the partner or something happens at work i think in a situation like that i would blame myself oh yeah it's such a great point and that and that blame and shame spiral it is just oh and it's just agonizing and thinking that it's your fault is is um is terrible and it's it's just so unfair it is so unfair even this idea mm, this idea that oh i had a choice to make a better choice right i should have um not reacted i should have made a different choice and this idea of choice and free will it actually goes out of the window when we get triggered and that's where trauma healing really creates this liberation so when we get triggered our um so we are no longer governed in that moment by our prefrontal prefrontal cortex that is the decision-making center that's the rational thought that's logic decision-making center when we get triggered the brain, the part of the brain that takes over the wheel is the hind brain that is responsible for our survival. So it only has fight, flight, uh, freeze, you know, survival tactics available. So whatever our prefrontal cortex knows and all the great enlightened things that we read and great enlightened books that all goes out of the window we can't apply it we can't access it and that is not our fault because we actually do not have a choice in the moment unless you have consciously trained yourself to work with being triggered which is trauma healing work right so the choice is to do trauma healing work but sometimes in the moment when we get triggered, we actually legitimately do not have a choice. And I just want to really repeat again this this statement because it may be controversial for people. We keep hearing from self-help gurus, etc. Oh, just choose, right? You make a choice and you make it happen. Well, 
biologically just doesn't hold up. Can I make sure I understood what you said? Um, yeah. Because I, I think I remember, I, I think it was in a, that book, Emotional Intelligence, that I think I learned about this, where all of our thinking and reasoning and rationality and all the stuff we learn, that gets stored in that big frontal lobe of our brain that's called the mm -hmm. prefrontal prefrontal cortex and that's kind of where all of our what we call our intelligence mm -hmm. sort of comes from but when something happens that that uh, causes us to become afraid like um like if we thought we were going to get hit by a car um if we think we're going to get hit by a car we see a car coming we don't have a thought like oh there's a car it's coming i should move <laughs> my body in a way that gets me out of the way it doesn't happen right. it gets short-circuited so we just automatically jump backwards or something yeah because some this 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 um other part of our brain and I, I forget what it is some sort of mm -hmm. you know like the older yeah. more ancient part of our brain has a sort of fight or flight response because yeah. of the fear and so our fear response which mm -hmm. is a survival mechanism takes over and we jump backwards because it doesn't have time to like think about all the thoughts we've ever known about buses flying at us at 100 miles an hour we just jump back exactly about it. and exactly. so that's high in the brain and it, it does save our lives and that's why you're saying we don't have a choice because when we get triggered, it's yeah. not our prefrontal cortex having thoughts. What happens Correct. is something triggers us and being triggered, it means that there's that thing that makes us jump backwards it sort of comes out because we're having this survival response. And so there is no choice involved. This idea that we could or should have made a better choice is silly uh, because the 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 trauma the trigger responses aren't coming from our thoughts is that is that what you're saying yeah yeah exactly and the danger is from being a woman in a place where it's not safe to be a woman yeah there are so many flavors of trauma that come with that statement the uh, being physically unsafe being sexually unsafe emotionally unsafe and otherwise disempowered that trauma of oppression that comes in, in, in many flavors. And whenever uh, that gets triggered or any other trauma, it's, it's, it's complex. Any other experience where you felt unsafe growing up or and what we've inherited. So some stuff can get triggered. We don't even know what, what the heck that is, except in that moment we feel, oh, we feel hijacked. And it's not even ours. It could just be our great-grandmother's. Exactly. It most of the stuff that we carry around and we get and that stuff gets triggered is not ours. It's not ours. And that's the confusing part. And that's what I also meant when I said I wish I had this information years ago. That's why I'm so passionate of spreading this information. Um, I have a podcast, too, by the way, I should mention this Her Success Radio. That's where we talk about this specific topic so if it appeals to you her success radio hope to uh hope you'll tune in and uh, let us know what you think so yeah that's why i'm so passionate about spreading this message because if we try to solve this whatever we're dealing with right i want something in my life i can't get it i keep running into this invisible in the wall and trying to solve this as a personal problem, we're not, we're only going to go so far because only so much of it is a personal problem. Most of it is not even ours. It's collective, it's ancestral. And so that's why women and women get stuck on this hamster wheel of personal development, self-help, because 
right? A again, it's our fault. It's our fault. We're not perfect enough. We just need to, if only I lose five pounds, if only I never age, if only I read a hundred more books and maybe I'll qualify for that promotion if I get another degree. And um, yeah, and the truth is that uh, what matters is the inner liberation from from this trauma that binds us so that we can actually make uh, the choices that are empowering in every situation, be it work, be it relationships, be it money, and avoid subconscious self-sabotage that kind of drives that all, all that goodwill and self-help down the drain. So then, and you said it's the trauma healing work that can help us get out of that, that get out of being triggered? Is, is there a way? What, what is the, what's the way forward then? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, there are practitioners that, who, who work at the intersection of the mind and the body, because it's not a, uh, you, you can't, you can't heal trauma by talking about it. And that's another big misconception Oftentimes I have clients who come to me like, oh, I've worked through this in therapy for years. Um, and then in the body, they still have those trauma reactions because trauma lives in the body. Right? We can't really process it by just talking about it. Uh, we need to really feel it to heal it. And there are techniques for releasing it. I've studied for many years with the pioneers of mind-body and energy integration work. And I've developed my own five-step system for healing. And you can always find a practitioner. You'll need to really look closely at what they're doing and if it resonates with you. And maybe go for a session where you try them out. And the way I work, I no longer work um, as a therapist. I used to. I had my practice in New York for years. And now because this work is so big, I... Um, I was called to reach many women at once. So my book is coming out, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Missing Link to Liberation for High Achieving Women. And perhaps we can uh, later let the listeners know how to get on the notification list to be the first ones to, to know when the book comes out and also to participate in this conversation even before the book comes out and pick up healing tools and techniques and um, so that's why also knowing that not every person will go and find a practitioner not not every person is a, in a position to find a practitioner I try to make these tools available to people as much as I can so one of the starter tools I actually have available as a free download it's an audio file. The listeners will be happy to know it's an audio file of a three-minute technique you can actually do anywhere, anytime you get triggered. I call it a repower, a repower tool. And you can download it at drvalerie.com, D-R-V-A-L-E-R-I-E.com. And um, let me know what you think. Uh, yeah, and I'll have I don't have links, of course, to everything below. You know, it's 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 a frustrating situation because I do look at my guy friends who I grew up with, who went on to have similar 
career as me. Like I, I was a lawyer before I started doing any coaching work. And it just felt in a lot of ways like my guy friends, I, I watched our careers and sometimes it just seems like they just have it so much easier. Like it's just, they're so much more free on so many levels. And then I would just tell myself, maybe I'm just a crazy person, you know? Um, but what you say really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm so glad. Thank you for giving this voice, Jordi. Um, it, and again, there is this danger of making it about, oh, something's wrong with me. How come they're more free and uh, I'm not? They're more successful and I'm not. And I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, it's um, we have this condition and therefore we can't. We absolutely can, but we just need to realistically recognize that there is something getting in the way that needs to be healed so we can be fully empowered. Otherwise, we are putting this pressure on ourselves to run in a race when, like, like when we have a like broken leg, God forbid, <laughs> you know, and just like we're on crutches and we're just trying to keep up with um, individuals who are fully able-bodied and uh, are way ahead. It's, it's just this, this thing that we need to heal to be fully liberated. And gosh, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine the world where women are fully liberated on the inside where those invisible in the walls do not exist where we um, claim our full power, not as in controlling somebody or some, the full power is in our full expression, the full expression our of our brilliance, our sexuality, our joy, our, oh, like the spectrum, the full spectrum of our emotions, the full expression of our friendships, the full expression of our relationships, the thought of it being possible keeps, keeps pulling me forward with this work. In some ways, it's hard for me even to know where the trauma starts and ends and where the, where I can stop self-blaming because like I said, I was a lawyer before I was doing any coaching and I had my own law firm and I started, um, you know, I started pretty young with my own law firm and thought I was a total badass I, in my own opinion at the time that I was going out on my own and, 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 you know, going to work for myself as an entrepreneur at a relatively young age. I just got my law license. Um, but I had a, a couple other guy friends that were doing it at the same time as me. And so I sort of had that perspective of what I did and then also what they did. And so anytime I would get something, whether it was a litigation file or, or some sort of whatever, if it was a contract that I had to write or whatever I did, I always approached it with so much more, I was so much more worried about making a mistake and so much more mm -hmm. concerned. I just was so, I just never wanted to make any mistakes and I wanted to protect my clients so much and I always kind of went in assuming that, that, that there was something I didn't know and I had this trepidation around what if I make a mistake and always really wanted to keep my clients safe and to some extent I held myself back because of that whereas I looked at my guy friends they, they kind of handled it a lot more sort of balls out like they mm -hmm. didn't worry it's not that they weren't good attorneys but somehow they didn't have that same level of fear Mm -hmm. And I would, and I even my other another best friend of mine from law school, also a woman. We graduated at the same time, and she started her law firm shortly after mine. And we would watch the two of us being not we weren't partners in in business or anything, but we were good friends and sort of watching this process. Where we had all these guy friends that, 
didn't care, not that they didn't care as much about their clients, but they just weren't at all worried. And they were doing the same things we are. We just were so much more worried about it. Yeah. And so they went on to make so much more money and have so much more success. And maybe, and of course, I've only just blamed myself for not being quote unquote more successful, but there was this fear holding me back that just simply didn't hold them back. Yeah. And even as I'm telling this, there's a part of me that's a little bit ashamed because I feel like it's still, I still think it's my fault. Like, oh, well, if I was less fearful, I could have done better. And it was only my own fear holding me back. But uh-huh. I think Like something... you have a choice in that, right? <laughs> well, according to, you know, when I listen to you, you know, it's not like we sit around talking about each other's work all the time. So this, it's not like we have this conversation all the time, but it's true that when I talk to you about this, there, you know, I, I look at the things that have held me back and realize this, this maybe isn't my own personal failing as much as I always assumed that it was. Yeah. Thank you for bringing this into a conversation, Jordi. I bet so many listeners can relate to this, this fear of failure and fear of success. That's a double-edged sword for women because both have been punishable for women <laughs> historically. Um, uh, success is a punishable offense for a woman. Uh, there are studies that show that success and likability are inversely correlated for women. The more successful a woman becomes, the less she is liked. So subconsciously, not consciously, I promise you, probably not consciously, but subconsciously, we know that it's safer not to be too successful. And of course, failure, we're already playing in the quote unquote man's world. And so the stakes are so much higher for us. We have to work so much harder to quote unquote prove ourselves. And then if we fail, if we don't measure up, to the patriarchal standards. Uh, and that's a whole different uh, other topic that the whole world, uh, the, the industries are all set up according to the patriarchal values and male strengths. And they devalue um, traditionally female um, attributes. So like what? Yeah. For example, valuing... Um, um, logic over intuition, for example. And that's a bit black and white here. Of course, men have intuition too, and women have logic and spades. Uh, but there are some archetypally uh, more feminine traits, such as collaboration over competition. That's, that, that's um, an even better example, perhaps, as women are naturally wired to collaborate and create communities. But of course, that uh, patriarchy effed with that as well because <laughs> it created unhealthy competition among women because it sent the message, only one woman can be at the table. Only one woman can have a corner office. Only one woman can be chosen um, to be married. And again, historically, talking about heterosexual um, historical survival <laughs> patterns, being quote unquote, married well was the only way a woman could be so-called successful. Right. So being chosen by the man. Being chosen by the man. And then the women compete with each other to get chosen by the man. Yeah. And in a world where there are fewer female executives and it feels like, oh, the company has to have their token female executive. If that's going to be the case, then all the women are going to compete with each other. So instead of having that, that natural sense of community, and collaboration that women, maybe cave women, were able to have. Exactly. However, mm -hmm. human females would naturally live when we're in this artificial environment 
where only one woman could be elevated, now we're all at each mm-hmm. other's throats. Yeah, and women women have other uh, amazing strengths that we have been socialized to develop, such as empathy. Women are socialized to care for other people, to care for children, to care for other people. And so empathy, just like trauma is passed down generation after generation, women have a remarkable empathy. Again, it's an overgeneralization. No, of course, but it makes a lot of sense. This idea that these these um, more feminine and men, you know, every man has feminine and masculine. Every female has masculine and feminine. So these aren't. We're not really saying that no man can be empathetic or communal, communal, exactly. or intuitive. Of course, they can, but just in the patriarchy and in a patriarchal culture, logic is elevated over intuition and competition is elevated over communal sharing and collaboration uh-huh. and um and winning at any cost is and, and, yeah. and profit at any cost is elevated over em- empathy and caring for the greater good yeah yeah and so so there are bigger conversations that stem from understanding um of how patriarchy has um has been affecting us all and for women specifically, creating this uh, trauma of oppression that has spun generations and we're experiencing and thinking, oh, there's something wrong with me. How come I'm, I'm not so successful? And I, it's not, uh, quote unquote, making an excuse, right? Not at all. I mean, of course, there, there are tons of successful women and uh, do, doing amazing things in the world. Which is why I blamed myself. Which is why I would say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's not that, you know, so. Mm-hmm. But can it be easier for women? So then what is the answer? It's, it can be easier for women when we attend to the invisible inner walls that, that are holding us back. There are a lot of women who outwardly have broken through from the outside looking in, they have all markers of success. And I actually specialize in working with high-achieving women who've accomplished a lot and suffer from things like adrenal fatigue. They're exhausted. They kind of lost touch with who they truly are because they've had to sacrifice every step of the way so much of who they truly are. And um, they've lost that spark and they're just trying to be happy and healthy and fulfilled. And that the road to that, the road to that holistic success is through healing, through integrating all parts of who you are. And that's how we can create a world where it is safe to be exactly who you are. It is safe to be who you are internally and externally. Yeah. There's internal safety. Like I feel safe to show up and give this talk. Yeah. But there is external safety. Like even if, if, if I feel internally safe, but I'm presenting to a hostile audience, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to be all that great. So, And, you know, this is definitely something you and I have talked about. We don't always talk about each other's work. We just end up talking about mm-hmm. you know, our personal lives most of the time, that as best friends often do. But um, this is definitely a theme that I've heard you repeating a lot over the years, which is that you had these clients that are just the most unbelievable, high-achieving women, uh, you know, having accomplished things that you can't even imagine, but yet either their health is failing or they're getting a divorce or there's some, like, 
that that all of these women that seem to have it all together professionally there was they they did it at such a high cost to their own lives and it's not their fault it's not their fault they followed the map and they worked really hard they worked hard on the instructions on the map you get a great education you build your career you get married you have children or whatever or whatever other check marks they felt um that were available for them to check and they felt like checking, yeah, that from the instructions from this patriarchal manual were supposed to guarantee their success. And then they checked checked those um, off and they got to that place where they were feeling more miserable than they ever did. And and it's not their fault. And then they've tried different um, self-help books and seminars and workshops. They got in, uh, onto this road of uh, self-discovery and healing. And unfortunately, a lot of, although that that's a gorgeous road path to follow, just be on the lookout for any information in that realm that makes you feel like, it's it's your fault and you need to fix yourself. You need to um, uh, basically be less of who you are in order to um, uh, be happy and fulfilled. And what you're really saying, my understanding here, is that your solution is to understand that there are these triggers yeah. that we're not even conscious of. And we get triggered in all these different ways because our, our mothers, our grandmothers, their great and our great grandmothers before them, and all down the line, being living in this patriarchal world as a woman has created all these little things that trigger us the same way as if we're about to get hit by a bus and our body responds in ways we don't realize. But there's these yeah. this this trauma healing work that you talk about, and you did say that you have a three minute free audio mm-hmm. that they can download mm-hmm. at drvalerie.com, but can we just talk a little bit about what they might find in there? Because I think it's important to talk yeah. about what trauma healing work is. Let's talk about what, what, what that really means. What is trauma healing work? It, it, does, it, does that mean that we like that we can, can stop the trigger? Or what, what does it really mean? What are we doing with it? So let me just break it down into a few things. Um, it can be conceptualized in, in many ways. But basically, we are, what, what healing means is making things whole again. Something that had been fractured had been, yeah, basically broken into pieces. We're making whole again. What trauma does, it makes us um, disown some pieces of ourselves that don't feel safe to own. For example, our full shine, our full beauty, our full brilliance, our full, ah, just exuberant, how good can it get um, being fully authentically ourselves because it doesn't feel safe piece by piece, piece by piece that gets chopped off and those pieces are then wrapped into trauma defenses. And what I teach women in my programs and what, what trauma healing looks like is understanding, like going back to those closed doors, finding them, opening them and releasing those gifts that had been sequestered by trauma because, through creating safety, creating safety uh, for 
them to be in the body and to be witnessed by other women who are also in that place and using the same tools of creating safety for each other. Because we were all traumatized in a community, even a community of one. And so healing also happens in a community where we all reflect to each other our full beauty, our true beauty, our true power, and it feels safe because safety is a um, necessary, necessary condition for healing. This creating safety with other women, is that something that's just on your workshops or is that part of the three-minute audio? Where Yeah, so so that audio available at drvalerie.com is a... The whole audio is about 20 minutes or so because it explains the whole thing. So I'm not going to go over it. And the practice itself is about three minutes. And the goal is when uh, we get triggered to practice this. Uh, well, we'll actually practice this before we get triggered. So we develop the muscle. Remember, we talked about the choice is this muscle that we'll develop through this practice, very simple three-minute practice, will allow us to have a choice in the moment when we're triggered to return back to the prefrontal cortex. So you're practicing ahead of time, sort of like a fire drill. Because you can't start learning how to handle a fire when the fire's on. You want to do the drill in advance so that you know where which exit to go out sort of thing. Exactly. And it's it doesn't only serve... Um, for when, when we're triggered, it, it serves us to be able to be f- more fully in our bodies and experience fuller, more um, like juicier sexual arousal and orgasms and pleasure in that cup of coffee and pleasure in that conversation and gazing in your partner's eyes and you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, cue uh, romantic comedy reel. <laughs> so so you're basically saying if we do this practice, if we do this practice, it's worst case scenario, we uh, get ourselves out of being triggered, but best case scenario, we get uh, more love and better sex. Sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah, it's a great deal. And to me, they're both best case scenarios because while the costs of being triggered and hijacked and acting out of uh, fight, flight or freeze, the costs are staggering for your relationship, for your career, for your health. So the sooner you get out of that cycle and it's a three minute thing, it's a three minute dumbbell, right, that you'll you'll be uh, lifting. And it's 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 a fun, simple thing that you can totally multitask with it's actually created to weave into your life and multitask with so please don't don't use uh, I have no time as an excuse for this one but but use it for your liberation liberation includes both not being hijacked and the liberation includes playing the game of how good can it get how good can I have it as a woman in this world can I have everything I want yes you can and um, and the access is through liberation, removing the invisible in the walls of trauma. So because you have worked with so many high achieving women that you saw dealing with the consequences of this patriarchal stress disorder, and you've done so much work with them along the way, do you have any stories of, of what became possible for them or how they shifted or any cool stories you can share about that? Oh, yeah, that's that's a great question, Jordi. Thank you. And I hope that my answer uh, adds to the motivation for liberation for the women listening. Um, so, for example, my client 
and was she she worked for this company uh, selling their their information product for years actually helped build the company and she sold millions of dollars worth of their products from stage she was doing public speaking and it, it was very successful and then she heard the calling to do her own thing that was her passion that was her true authentic this is how I show up in the world and that's when she went into freeze and she could not make a sale to save her life because that, that, that felt unsafe to her again not consciously so when we started working together we first looked at okay this is not you nothing is wrong with you because of course she was blaming herself what's wrong with me no, you're still the same person. You have this amazing gift for getting people to into that transformational journey. But because now it was her authentic, authentic her on the line and she was stepping into her power, that's never been safe for a woman. She was going into this freeze reaction and just um, avoiding <laughs> opportunities to make those offers. So we worked through uh, the, the layers of trauma there. And then she was able to start public speaking again from her own platform, having small intimate workshops and bigger stages. And she started feeling filling her uh, high-end retreats, destination re retreats that she's always been dreaming of leading uh, with with ease and with joy so that's a proud story and uh, then uh, another client of mine relationship with her big um, source of suffering and actually she came because um, her partner said he couldn't deal with her anger anymore and she of course blamed herself as women tend to do she's like he can't deal with my anger fix me doc and then we looked at the anger as a trauma defense mechanism and we looked at how she was getting triggered and I taught her the tools of the first of the tools you'll actually learn the three minute thing that's the first thing I taught her after we created awareness around that and then we did deeper trauma healing work and then we got her partner into into this work too and we looked at how he was creating this feeling of unsafety for her through his trauma uh, defenses. And he was creating this feeling of uh, disconnection for her and was drinking and was, um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of disconnection go going on that they were triggering in each other. And once that was understood as it's not them doing this to each other, it's trauma, trauma adaptations working. And we, um, healed those layers of trauma and they fell in love again and they were on the brink of getting a divorce like um, I actually didn't know which way it was going to go it was one of those cliffhangers and um, they fell in love again and they, they got a beautiful house and they um, and they have two beautiful children and and so they created a much better environment for the children <laughs> no arguments no fighting and um, a lot of love in, in, in their home. So these are just a couple of things that become, a couple of examples of things that become possible. And, and um, I've, I'm living this journey in my own life, pushing the envelope on how good can it get. And every time I'm going for more, the, the, the next level of doing this work in the world, 
uh, or having more uh, love and abundance in my own relationship, just let, letting that in. It's the new level of trauma healing because to go higher, uh, we need to go deeper. It's like a tree that uh, needs to spread the roots and have uh, have those big roots before it can uh, grow grow taller and stronger. I love those examples, especially the first one with the woman who was able to work for someone else and sell someone else's ideas with no problem Mm -hmm. and was able to rise in her power being a voice for somebody else. But then when she stood up to sell her own ideas, all of the sudden, now she's not safe. Whereas a minute ago, she's on the same stage. Yep. making a speech with the same voice mm-hmm. um but when yeah. it's but it, when it was her own all of a sudden then there's no safety around it oh it's so common among women entrepreneurs who start really to the the closer it is to home their idea the more of their authentic self is on the line the more uh triggering it is because right safety safety first and i just want to send the message to every woman who is daring Daring greatly, as Brenna Brown would say, daring to put her authentic self out there, be it in a relationship, be it in in business. The more um, you're doing it, the more you may be experiencing this turbulence of getting triggered. And it's um, and and you can absolutely have all the power in the world to get yourself off that um, hamster wheel of that merry-go-round of that um, cycle of getting triggered. And um, I actually, I, well, I am a fan of this three minute tool myself. I use it all the time. So I do recommend it <laughs> as a, as a, as a starter. And um, I, I also have conversations going on in my Facebook group in, uh, especially in the uh, with the book coming out soon. So we are having conversations around the book materials. So you'll have sneak previews of the book, uh, chapter, um, uh, some preview chapters. So I would love to have you in um, my Facebook group as well. And do you want yeah. I'll link to that below. What's it called? It's called uh, Her Success Revolution. So my podcast is Her Success Radio and the Facebook group is Her Success Revolution. Just That URL will take you to the actual Facebook group. Fantastic. So I'm going to have links to the Facebook group. I'm going to have links to where you can get her three minute. Well, it's a three minute exercise, but it sounds like it's a 20 minute audio, which includes an explanation of how to do the three minute exercise. Mm -hmm. And with all the and I'll have all the links where you can find my amazing, very dear friend, Dr. Valerie Rain, who I'd be lost without. And I'm so glad we got to do this podcast together. Oh, Jordi. Oh, right back at you. Thank you so much for this great pleasure of having this conversation on air. Having it recorded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you're amazing, Valerie. I love you so much. I love you so much, Jordi. Thank you. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a lot of things in this interview, but I'm curious. What of the many things we spoke about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. 
And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and have passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a quick guide to the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, a guidebook for finding your lesbian soulmate, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of this is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of these things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game, to help you find the woman of your dreams faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, don't forget that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.